This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 117. Are you sure I can do this? Of the in-between podcast where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel Lim. And I'm Christina Im. So are you sure you can do what? (laughs) (laughs) I've asked myself many, many (laughs) questions like this, but pertaining to parenting. Mm. So when we first held our child, yes, like, can we do this? (laughs) And then there's many times... Where we've looked at each other, right, Daniel, and be like, who decided that we should be the parents yeah. of children? Yeah. How is this? Like, how are we parents? Right. We, I mean, both <laughs> of us are the youngest in our families. Yeah. And many times as we've been growing up, we've been the youngest in our friendship circles as well. Mm-hmm. So to be the ones who are actually in charge of other human beings, there's time. I mean, we were responsible. It's not like, you know, we're letting our children just reign free, but there's definitely been times where we'll look at each other and be like, I don't understand. Yeah, in right. some ways, I still feel like I'm 16. I don't look 16. <laughs> I don't act 16, but <laughs> yes, in the heart of hearts. <laughs> so confusion, yes. Mystery, definitely. And yeah, it's been hard too. Especially during this <laughs> and pandemic. It's felt hard, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've been through a lot of things in our lives that have caused us pain and that have caused us to feel like we want to throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. And sometimes parenting feels like that, right? Sometimes you're like, I honestly don't know if I can continue to do this, especially through the toddler years, especially through the crying baby phase. And now as we're creeping onto the teen phase, yeah, there's going to be times I think we're going to be like, why does this feel so hard? <laughs> well, when does it get easy? <laughs> yeah, and it, it's not like that's a constant feeling. It's during those moments, during those tough conversations, during those incredibly stressful moments or trying times where everything seems to be piling on top of each other and it's not just with one kid but it's with another or just when we think we're done and we're all good then another thing happens so if anything has tested our resilience it has been covid and that is why on this episode we are going to be talking about why parenting feels so hard and we're actually we've brought back a guest Leslie Leyland Fields. Oh, she's such a gem. Yeah. (laughs) And so we'll link uh, a previous episode that we did with her in the show notes. But today, we're going to be talking about why parenting feels so hard. So without further ado, let's listen in. so much for joining us again on our podcast. We were already talking that we talked last time, I think, beginning of May, and we were joking about how we probably think next time we talk to you, COVID will be over. <laughs> so joke's on oh, us. How, how foolish we were. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, I know. We had no idea, but we're in good company, right? Very because nice. I think most of the world felt the same way. So we're at least, oh, at least we're not alone. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. 
right. <laughs> Very true. So if there's anything that's tested our resilience as parents, it's really the time that we are in in this pandemic. Uh, a lot of us have had to make decisions if we're online schooling or we're homeschooling or we're in-person schooling, if we're going to be sending them with masks or no masks or sending them on the bus or no bus. Or bush plane or no bush yeah, plane. <laughs> exactly. Maybe that was your decision, yeah. <laughs> Leslie. Uh, if we're going to cohort with others or not, or maybe mm. even how we're going to spend Thanksgiving. Are we going to have people over or not? In the midst of all of this, parenting just sometimes feels so difficult. And Leslie, do you think it should be this way? Is there maybe a quick fix to making things easier during this time? Oh boy. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, I have the one silver bullet. I've got it. Okay. We're right. listening. No. All right. No. All right. Let's go. Your next, your next book. <laughs> you should turn this yeah. podcast off if I'm promising that. <laughs> uh, um, you know, here's what I want to say about that. It, this is, of course, a, such a stressful time for the kids, for parents, for everybody. And I think, first of all, it's really good for parents just to you know, be honest with the kids. And, and I think maybe our masks have all fallen off by now anyway. Um, but <clears throat> just to let the kids know, you know, Hey, we're, we're in this together. We're in this together. This is hard for us too. And so the kids don't feel like they're struggling alone. So I think that's really important. And a second thing is, um, I, you know, I think it's important to have fun yeah. right now, especially. I think we're all desperate for for fun. And if that means letting the schoolwork go now and then, um, I think that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, taking a day off of homeschooling and getting in the car and, and driving to the mountains to go for a hike and not doing a bit of schoolwork on the day maybe you're supposed to. Um, that hike may be the most important, the best thing that you could do that day. Mm. So I, I be careful of this, of the whole school routine, that it doesn't kind of blind us to the, the to the higher goal, mm. which is getting through this time together, still loving each other, still loving God and having a sense of having a sense of, of fun and a sense of play. And I think with younger kids, especially, it's so important to just to make, to keep that going and to keep freshness and surprise. And, and maybe it's just, you know, something stupid like, um, okay, we are, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna watch a movie and eat popcorn and, um, and pizza in the garage <laughs> today, you know, <laughs> on a blanket. But break the routine, break the routine, do, do some crazy things, take turns, you know, having ideas. Okay, Jimmy, it's your turn. What's your crazy idea for what we're going to do this Saturday night? But just that, that sense of fun, breaking the routine and don't let schoolwork be the be all end all, you know, of, of your days. Yeah. Leslie, I absolutely love that advice. 
And it's interesting because on the one hand, we all have different personalities in terms of, you know, are we more achiever and, you know, um, how do we get our identity or sense our identity? And there's a lot of these things that come into play with how we parent. Um, But when we think about it from that perspective, it's interesting because during COVID, we have really strived to give our kids a sense of routine and structure Mm -hmm. uh, just so that they can get a get a handle on something in the midst of everything mm-hmm. else being up in the air. Now, why I why I I don't think that what you said is in contradictory to that no, uh, because no. it really is that sense of it's it's not we're not talking about the schooling part. We're not talking about that regular everyday. We're really talking about these moments and creating these moments. Yeah, I I agree with you Daniel. You've got to have that routine especially with younger kids because that's how they're going to feel a sense of order. Um but also this routine now you know, it might be going on for a long time. Mm-hmm. So the other piece to that is is breaking the routine when, and you know, you're going to know when your kids need to break the routine, when you need to break the routine. The routine is both a secure, is both security, but it can also feel a little bit like, um, I don't want to say entrapment. Mm-hmm. Um, so there needs to be a freedom to embrace routine when it's needed and a freedom to 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 break out of it. I absolutely love that. I love that. And and Leslie, in your book, Parenting is Your Highest Calling and Eight of Eight Other Myths That Trap Us in Worry and Guilt, uh, you list nine myths that parents often believe. Uh, we were interested, especially just in light of this episode where we're trying to, where we're really just talking about why parenting feels so hard. Uh, we'd love for you to just unpack which of the nine myths hit closest to home for you uh, when you when you were writing the book, and then we'll kind of fast forward to twelve years later. Yeah, that's a really hard <laughs> question. That's like asking which one of my six kids is my yeah, favorite. That's right. <laughs> choose. You have to choose now. Yeah, exactly. We can hide this episode from your children yeah. if you need to know. <laughs> so these myths, the nine myths, they're all my favorite because they all have the potential to sink us mm. as parents and as people. And they but they also each have the potential to kind of ferry us over to another way of thinking and being and parenting. But probably the biggest one, um, the most pervasive one, and the one that I struggled with most, this myth, it's, it's, it's a short phrase, so I'll say it slowly or say it twice. Successful parents produce godly children. Hmm. Okay. The notion that um, you can judge your success as a parent by you know, by how godly your children are, or how your children turn out. Hmm. And um, th- this is one that I think everybody, everybody struggles hmm. with. And, and of course, of course, we want our children to be godly. We want our children to love God. And probably, you know, this is our desire, you know, more than anything else in the world is that our children would grow up to love and serve God. This is, this is a good desire. This is a right desire. But there are two main problems with this idea. One is that we try to create, you know, a formula or a prescription, you know, to achieve this goal of godly children. And we've landed on a particular verse. Um, and I'm sure everybody out there listening right now, and you too, Daniel and Christina, you know what verse I'm talking about in Proverbs. Mm-hmm. 
right? What what is that verse that we you know? It's train up a child yeah, exactly. in the way, yeah, the way he, he should go. go. And when she is old, she will not depart from mm. it. And we've really done terrible violence <laughs> to this proverb. So we've taken this, you know, it's a proverb. It's an, an observation. Mm-hmm. It's a, a truism, a general observation. But we've turned an observation into a promise, right? Mm. So that now the endeavor becomes, okay, all I have to do is figure out exactly how to train up a child. And if I figure that out, you know, if I get the magic formula, then I've got it, you know, A plus B equals Mm. C. And there are all kinds of books and programs and formulas that claim to have it, you know, here, follow these rules, do these things, and you'll get good results. Mm -hmm. Your children will grow up and be godly, you know. Um, Well, what happens when we do that, we're transferring our faith and our dependence and our reliance on God day by day. And because that's, that's what it takes to be a good parent, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Faith in God, reliance on God, dependence mm-hmm. on God. We're taking that faith and that reliance and we're placing it instead on this program. Right. We're placing it instead on the author of the program, whoever, you know, dreamed this up or devised, you know, this formula. And, and the thing is, of course, our children are not recipes. They are not mathematical formulas. Every child is wonderfully made and gloriously different and and incredibly complex. They're as complex as we are. Mm -hmm. If we believe that, that successful parenting um, produces godly children, if we measure parents in the Bible by this standard, Mm -hmm. well, Mary, I think, would be the only mother you know, who, who makes it. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> a pretty lofty goal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mary's the only, per, you know, mother whose ch- child came out, you know, perfectly. God. Oh, man. <laughs> um, and I, and here's the thing, this was sort of revelational to me. And this was kind of the seed of me writing this book. Think about God's life as a parent. Okay, think about God's life as a parent. Okay, God is perfect, right? And he's a father. He called Israel my firstborn son. And he calls Israel his children again and again. So there's there's God God the Father. There are his children. Um, so how godly were his children? Wow. Um Mm, go back and read the old Testament. I mean, we had horrible children. <laughs> Disobedient straight away. Yeah, yeah. Critical. Yeah, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, immediately we have to say, oh, wait a minute. Maybe this is not a, maybe this is, maybe this really is a myth. Um, the second big point that I want to make is that we're not called to be successful parents. We're called to be faithful parents. Mm-hmm. Now, we are not in charge of the outcome of our kids, of who they grow up to be. They're, they're going to make their own choices just like you did, right? Just like I did. They're going to make their own decisions. They are on a lifetime journey with God, and God is not done with them until they take their final breath. Mm-hmm. And we feel so much pressure to create these godly adults. and. Um, I remember reading it when I was raising my kids and when I was writing this book, I read a best-selling Christian book. And he said, basically he said, 
listen, here's what the research shows. You've got 13 years to make your kid a Christian. <laughs> You've got 13 years to influence your child. Because he was looking at, you know, the stats mm-hmm. that show that, you know, the older you get, the less likely it is that you're going to, that you're going to give your life to Jesus. But, but that's what he brought it down to. You got 13 years and then the windows closed. And so, oh, I just remember that sense of pain. Yeah, I feel it that's right now in my own heart. Oh my God. Yes. A lot of pressure. Yeah. Like, oh man, I've got to get it right. I've got to get it right in these 13 years or my child is doomed. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That is so not biblical. Mm. And here's the thing. We believe in the sovereignty of God, mm. right? But when it comes to our kids, when it comes to parenting, somehow we, we, we end up knocking God off the throne, you know, mm. and taking over for him. Wow. We think that we are sovereign over our kids. And our job is to point our kids to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to ourselves. <laughs> we are not Jesus. We are not the hands and feet of Jesus. We are parents. And our job is to point our kids to Jesus. And and um, you got to believe and trust. God loves your kids even more mm-hmm. than you do. Yeah. You know, the, the, this is a horrible cliche, but it's so good for this moment. The let go and let God, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's some real truth, um, truth in that, especially uh, with our children. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babylon, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Time for sure. Now, Leslie, you said something very interesting. You said that, you know, we're not called to be successful parents. We're called to be faithful parents. I'm wondering uh, for those of our podcast family that see those one in the same, would you be able to maybe tease out a little bit of what the difference is between being a successful parent and being a faithful parent? That's, that's a really great comment, Christina. And I would that's how I would redefine successful mm. is that successful is faithful. Mm. But I think most people define successful as that your kids are, you know, they grow up and they, and they love God and they're, you know, and they're, they're serving God with their life. And that is, is our desire for our children. Um, but we don't create that. We don't produce that. We can model that. And we're, I, and I think we'll get into that further here in a few minutes. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. I hope that your listeners are thinking, yeah, successful parent is a faithful parent. Mm-hmm. And 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 they're right. Mm-hmm. That that is the biblical definition of successful. I love that. I love that redefinition. And there there's a sense of freedom in that. Uh, I know in 
our church family, there's many parents whose children may have followed Christ earlier in life mm-hmm. and aren't right now. And even just conversations as of this recording yesterday when we were um, at one of our campuses and, and just talking to some of the parents afterwards and them saying, can you please pray for my children? And just this sense of defeat that I saw over them. Yeah, right. And there really yeah. is that sense where I, I, I really respond to them. I was like, yes, okay, let's pray. But remember, God is not done with them yet. Mm-hmm. God is still right. writing their story. So yes. there's this sense in the myths that you unpack in this book, uh, these nine, that, yeah, there are going to be points along our parenting journey where we're going to fall into one of them more than the others and really trip into it. But I guess I guess the question is, why? Right? Why is it? that we fall into these myths and, and believing these myths. Yeah, I, I think because we're scared, um, because parenting is hard and we want assurance. We want control mm. and we want to simplify something that's incredibly hard and we don't like risk. Mm. We don't like open-endedness, right. you know. We want shortcuts. We want hacks. And um, the U- YouTube is full, oh, yeah. right, of thousands of life hacks. And we have all kinds of parenting hacks um, as well. And hey, you know what? First of all, they're not all bad. (laughs) You know, Um, and may I say, yeah, I'm not completely above this. Like when my kids were little, there was this book out toilet training in a day. (laughs) That sounds great. But it was a hack. And you know what? It worked. (laughs) Um, I mean, not one day, three days, but all of my kids, I put them through that form, that, that program and it worked for me, you know, and that was really cool and really exciting. My daughter right now, she has a five month old and she's kind of following a program to get your baby to sleep through the night and it's working for her. And I'm, I'm jealous yeah. because but and you know and okay so there are some things especially when our children are little that there are some life hacks that that, that that we can use you know that that do make things simpler and that's wonderful but when you try to formulize um spiritual growth you're you're going to be frustrated mm. um you are going to be frustrated so let's let me be practical and give another example let's let's say family devotions Okay. So we, you know, we're all told that we should do family devotions and, and it's a great thing. Well, in my family, we tried to do devotions, um, off and on through mostly, well, off and on through our kids' <laughs> lives. And it was, it was mostly a failure. Um, when you have five boys, I, I have a daughter and five boys. And when you have five boys and you try to sit them oh, down yeah. on a couch. How do you and, sit them down? <laughs> we have one boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And, and to listen and to participate and to, you know, without fighting, <laughs> without, you know, no, it doesn't work. It was a disaster, which then made me feel like a complete failure, you know, as a Christian mother. Mm-hmm. Like I was being told at the time that this, if, you know, if you want to be a good Christian parent, this is what you have to do. Um, so, but it didn't work. So my husband and I adjusted and we moved that time to bedtime and we separated the kids and we, um, you know, we had Bible stories, we had classic literature and we read to them every night. We let them choose. And so we, we read to them and prayed with them either singly or in groups that, 
you know, that, that, that they weren't constantly um, f- fighting mm-hmm. with. Yeah. The important thing is there is no one way to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. There are many ways. The thing is, I don't create or produce godly children, mm-hmm. right? God does. And um, it's not so much about what we do as it is about who we are. Mm-hmm. I think this is a really important shift because so much of the parenting advice is do, do, do. Right. It's a list of things to do. I think the most important thing that you can do is to live out loud before your kids, live a God seeking life before your kids. And that is going to have the greatest impact on them than any, any family mm-hmm. devotions you try to do, any scripture memorization. It starts with you, with who you are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to throw out another cliche out there is, you know, they say that more is caught than taught, right? Our kids are excellent observers of every part of ourselves, whether we like it or not. And uh, we already talked, Leslie, about how there is just so much advice out there. You were talking about some books uh, and then some life hacks that you used when you were parenting your younger children. And Dino and I have come uh, upon probably hundreds of parenting books is through a podcast and other people's recommendations. And a lot of it really does sound good, right? It sounds Mm -hmm. like, oh, maybe this is the formula Mm -hmm. that I'm going to use to, you Mm -hmm. know, potty train my children or to get my children to sleep through the night or to get them to Mm -hmm. be able to memorize verses better than just, you know, Mm -hmm. saying out out loud a hundred times. Or just listen to us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There's one book we read. I said, how to talk to your kids so they'll listen or something. I'm like, okay, I need to read that a hundred times. (laughs) So then how can parents tell the difference between the myths we believe because there's a lot out there and really the truth when they're when we're just so overwhelmed and we're so tired and we just have so much advice around us yes yes absolutely i i have to confess to you i did not read parenting books. I started out reading parenting books and I put them aside. Mm-hmm. I could not, everyone seemed to require that I um, force my family into a mold that didn't fit my family. So I think the most important thing to do, the most important thing is the word of God, mm-hmm. is your relationship with God to feed yourself with the word of God, however you can, and whatever tiny spaces you've got, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's um, listening to the audio Bible when you're getting ready in the morning. Maybe it's going to a, a Bible study with friends. Maybe it's going for a walk every day, you know, and memorizing, um, memorizing scripture. <laughs> Parenting is not a separate endeavor from your Christian life, mm-hmm. right? It's all one mm-hmm. life. Seek first the kingdom of God and parent from the overflow of that. So there are tons of parenting books and they keep publishing them because people keep needing help. Right. right? But I would say, Oh, go go ahead and look at them if you want. But I know your time is limited. I know your energy is limited. So if you've only got this, this amount of time, feed yourself first, feed yourself first, feed your heart. Um, feed your love for God, run after God, run after Jesus. And you know, everything else 
how you love your kids, how you raise them, how you, it's going to flow out of that. Mm -hmm. Let your heart be filled with the love of God. Know how loved you are by God. Know who God is and how, and God's forgiveness for you. And that's going to feed your kids. That's going to spill over to your kids. And that that's the most important thing I could say yeah. to you. As a parent. Yeah, I would 100% wholeheartedly agree on that. I don't know how many mornings where I maybe slept in and <laughs> we were too rushed and I didn't spend time with God or really just, I, I just kind of woke up and went right at it. And, and the number of times that the kids, my kids just got on my nerves or I, and it wasn't, it wasn't really them. It was more me, right? It was, it was me, me being more rushed and, and not being quick to listen, not being slow to speak, being quick to anger and not, not very abounding in love at all. And uh, so, so I know for me, I am a better husband. I am a better father and I'm a better son to my heavenly father when I prioritize that mm-hmm. not, not what I do, but who I am and, and who he has made me to right. be and, and cultivating that relationship first. Yeah. And there's a, another whole aspect of freedom here that comes when we find our joy, our fulfillment, our needs met by God himself. Mm. We're not going to require those things from our kids. Right. See, yeah. When we look to our kids so for that sense of fulfillment, for a feeling of success, right? For happiness, we're always going to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to go around in the state of disappointment and a sense of being a failure as a parent. But when our joy and our fulfillment is is rooted in God rather than our children, we're going to find an unending source. And that frees our children, right? That frees our children as much as it frees us. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. And I also find uh, along those lines that if I'm spending time with God, if I'm filling my own cup, uh, I'm not comparing my life to other parents and I'm not comparing Mm. my own children to other people's children. Uh, It's really easy to do, especially we're homeschooling this year and we're seeing people choose this curriculum and this, you know, five-year-old can read at high school level and my (laughs) six-year-old kind of knows his alphabet. Like, oh, what am I doing wrong? Right? What is the magic oh, formula? Right. Uh, what right. what have I, you know, the detriment that I'm doing to my children? And so yeah. Uh, really, yeah, when we when we seek God, when he fills us instead of everything else around us, yeah, you're right, Leslie. It really does free our, our children. Mm-hmm. Um, I know mm-hmm. looking even in my own childhood, the ways that my parents were just allowing me to be myself. Uh, and just to kind of chart my own way and looking back and be like, yeah, I would so much appreciate that more versus telling me what to do, what not to do, uh, how to be, how not to be, so on and so forth. Right. So and allowing God mm-hmm. to really, like you said, Daniel, continue to to write our stories. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so Leslie, 12 years ago, when you wrote this book, you had a 20-year-old, three teenagers, a first grader, yeah. and a preschooler. Uh, we were all kind of trained at that time, yes, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and reading Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you were to update the book today, what would you change? Uh, that is that is such an interesting question. Yeah, because uh, my kids now are 32 um, down to 17. Yeah. And, you know, I... I really tried hard to focus that book on scripture Mm -hmm. and the stories of scripture so that the book wouldn't be outdated. 
And the truth is, uh, this is going to sound really weird, uh, but in those in the last um, 12 years since I wrote the book, I found myself going back to the book again and again, mm-hmm. going back to those truths because I needed, I needed mm-hmm. them. Um, the 12 years since uh, I've been through, my family's been through some really hard things and I needed to be reminded that to, to stop worrying about being a successful parent, stop worrying about the outcome, just be faithful, mm-hmm. go after God, be passionate about Jesus. And that got me through. And another thing I, you know, I didn't feel love for certain children during certain seasons mm-hmm. and to go back and be reassured that love is not what you feel. Love is what you do, mm-hmm. you know, Rather than feeling loving, okay, but I can still be loving. And that God, even as a God of love, he expressed a whole range of emotions because he loved his children, including anger, including disgust and disappointment. And that that continued to be so reassuring to me. So honestly, I wouldn't change a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, my, My kids have turned out well, how do I say this? So this is okay. My kids have turned out better than I dared to hope. Okay, <laughs> I mean the the journey was really rough, right. and and here on the other side of it now, and of course God is uh, is still writing my kids' stories. Mm-hmm. Right, they're they're adults, but they're young adults. Um, the qualities that I tried so hard to model and live out before my kids. Um, to, to be compassionate, to care for others, to be hardworking, to be faithful. That's who my adult children are. Those qualities are, are there in every one of them. And I, I'm not promising that to you and your listeners, mm-hmm. but here's, here's what I am saying. My husband and I did not oppress our children with a formula. You know, we did not oppress them with a yoke of religiosity. Mm-hmm. And as they grow up, they didn't, they didn't have to rebel and throw off this heavy yoke when they left home. And my own relationship with God freed me to love them with grace and without expectation or demand. And, and so my kids are grown up, they live all over the country. And two days ago, my six kids were all on a Zoom call with each other for an hour together. This summer, you know, we, in the summer, I live on a remote island, off an island in Alaska. Every one of my kids and their spouses came up to be together uh, for parts of the summer. We're all planning to have Christmas together. I could not imagine any of that goodness and richness and love and blessing at the other end. Mm. But God has done it. You know, God has done it. Mm. And God kept feeding me. He kept me on my knees. So many tears, so many times of desperate prayers while I was parenting my kids. But God didn't fail. He didn't fail me. And he's not failed my kids. Mm -hmm. And they're not perfect. They're, but they're, they're right where God wants them to be. And that, that's good enough for me. Right. Love that. Love that. Leslie, thank you so much for your honesty there and uh, just for giving us a perspective into 
your family and, and how you guys are doing in the midst of this pandemic and, and with parenting and even just your last comments, giving a lot of us hope, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but because parenting does often feel hard. So um, podcast family, definitely pick up a copy of our book, Parenting is Your Highest Calling and Eight Other Myths That Trap Us in Worry and Guilt. All right, Leslie. So as we finish things off today for the parents who are listening in who just feel worn down, even though school just started back up again, (laughs) they feel worn down because they just feel like they can't get anything right. And they specifically tuned into this episode because they feel that parenting is hard. What one word would you have for them? Laugh. Hmm. My word is Hmm. laugh. Um, we can we can have joy in the Lord and find ways to laugh together with your kids, to laugh together with your spouse, to laugh without guilt. Put on a fun movie. Oh, go watch, um, you know, Dick Van Dyke. Go watch the Dick Van Dyke show. <laughs> it's very funny. Go yeah. watch <laughs> Mayberry RFD. Have fun together. God laughs. Mm. Even now, while our world is in such turmoil, the Psalms tell us that God, that, that God is laughing at at um, at our. In a, he's not laughing in an insensitive way, but God is. He loves us. He's with mm-hmm. us, and he his love and his joy and his peace is there for all of us. So laugh in that joy, laugh in the presence and love of one another. That's awesome. Thank you, Leslie. Wasn't that amazing? Mm. I just really felt like I was sitting down with a friend and just kind of pouring out my heart. And she was just encouraging us and just telling us, you know, you can do this. Put one foot in step with another laugh, laugh a lot (laughs) and enjoy it because it really does go by quickly. And I know sometimes we can feel like, oh, okay, roll our eyes because in the moment it feels like it's so long. But I really appreciate all her advice and her wisdom that she shared with us as she is now stepping into grandmotherhood too. So Yeah, yeah. and what I particularly loved about her is was her attitude, right? It was her attitude toward, hey, we're in this together. And yes, she was further she is further ahead down the road than us in parenting, but it was so neat to just hear the wisdom, the wisdom behind all that she was talking about. And so we just want to recommend once again her book, which is called Parenting is Your Highest Calling and Eight Other Myths That Trap Us in Worry and Guilt. Like I already said in the podcast, honestly, I went through this book chapter by chapter because that's how she breaks down the myths. And I was like, oh my goodness, I didn't even realize those were false things that I was believing because we are inundated day in and day out with these messages. Yeah, exactly. So be sure to go to inbetween.org slash episode 117 for all the links and everything that we've talked about. But next week, Christina, on episode 118, what are we talking about? We are going to be tackling the subject of friendships through adulthood because they look a little different, don't they? (laughs) They sure do. Well, thanks again for listening in and we will catch you next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, 
intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.